This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, third Saturday in October time. A real third Saturday in October time, both in the date and in the significance time. Wow, what a lot is going to be going on this week time. It's whew. Whew, time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. Hopefully dropping this to you on a Monday afternoon, too. How are you out there? Hope you're well. Hope your weekend was great, I assume, uh, if you are a Tennessee fan. Don't want to assume, but, but I think in this case you can probably assume uh, that everyone had a pretty good weekend. Hopefully everyone who went to Baton Rouge, and there were a lot of you, Hopefully y'all got down there safely and then got back safely as well. Hopefully you, you sobered up for the drive home unless you were flying, in which case, you know, drink as much as you want. There was a, a lot of imbibing down there too. Lots to talk about right now. Tennessee with a big, big, big win over the weekend. One of the biggest games at Neyland Stadium uh, in years will happen here in just about six days' time. Also a little bit of bad news for Tennessee to discuss. Also some uncertain news to discuss. Um, it's There's a lot a lot that we need to discuss. So so we'll try to fit it into a, a reasonable amount of time. And to do that, uh, let's go uh, down on to uh, Ben McKee's house. Let's go over to Ryan Callahan's home daycare center. Welcome those two gentlemen into the program. Fellas, how are we? Doing great. Hope you you all have recovered from your trip to Baton Rouge over the weekend. Sounds like you all had a fun Sunday of traveling. It was certainly a heck of a win for Tennessee. Thought that they would win. Didn't think that they'd win by that much. Uh, very impressive showing from the Vols, and hope you all in, enjoyed your LSU experience. Yeah, it was it was good to be back. Um, Seventeen years since the last time I was there, so only the second time I've been to a, a game at LSU. And that that last one in '05 felt weird because it was on a Monday night, and after Hurricane Rita, barely Tennessee, barely any Tennessee fans in the stands for that one because of the travel logistics and everything being so tough, and and hotels being booked everywhere within a short drive of Baton Rouge. So. You know, and this one felt more like a normal game, but then it's an 11 o'clock local start. Felt a little different, and man, that's not what LSU fans are used to seeing for a uh, for a home game against anyone, really. So just uh, impressive that Tennessee pulls that one off in such convincing fashion. I, I just I never saw. I thought that was maybe a possibility that they won by double digits or something, but 40 to 13, I would have I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I, I, the only bummer for me about the entire thing was that, you know, because of the travel stuff we had to go through, it, it was kind of a wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, uh, in, in Baton Rouge and out kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And 
I, that's one of my favorite trips in the league because I just come from a big Catholic family and, and we party and that's a Louisiana. There are no laws. There are no rules. Nothing matters. Anything goes. Uh, it, it's just kind of a, kind of a fun place to be. Um, and, and, and I, that would have been a, a more pleasurable experience if, if we'd been able to really do it the right way. But, uh, yep. as for the game itself, you know, obviously you can't complain about much there. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but, um, yeah, the, the, the travel down there and back absolutely sucked, uh, because there was some, a lot of traffic in a couple of different areas and it was a, had a, our hotel told us that they had a room and then they were like, no, we don't. We're like, well, we, we have one. So, uh, figure this out. And so we figured it out and, uh, I'm also old, so I'm tired and mm-hmm. uh, uh, got 44 to be exact, 40 years old, 40 on the dot, and then got home after a long weekend. I was like, all right, Hank, you're going to sleep like a good boy tonight. And he was like, nah, I'm going to get up like four times and make your life hell. So uh, <laughs> in a really, really good mood, um, but also extremely tired. But nonetheless, uh, this is a week to forget the fatigue, fight through it, and move on because Tennessee did go down there to Baton Rouge, did beat LSU 40-13. to Not much to complain about. We had a post-game episode, obviously, from down there uh, with Patrick Brown and I t- talking about a lot of things from that game. And so I think we, we don't have to discuss too much about it just because this game coming up is so huge. But certainly uh, Tennessee probably has – exponentially more confidence than it had going down there. And it was a confident team going down there. Yes, uh, it, it was. And that, that theme has continued all season long. And, and we've discussed it a couple of different times uh, aside from Josh Heupel and his high powered offense and just what it naturally does. The thing that honestly makes me feel so good about this uh, football team, especially after we saw them handle all of the peripheral that was Florida week. The thing that makes me feel good about this football team, aside from the high-powered offense, is the leadership and the confidence, the the leadership from the coaches, the leadership amongst the players, uh, and and they all have the correct type of confidence. Last week you saw an Auburn offensive lineman before they played Georgia say that they they had seen some things on on paper to to where they thought they were going to, I I forget the exact word, but uh, essentially demolish or one of those type of words against Georgia's defensive front, that that they were going to be able to run the ball right at Georgia. And that was just a a really stupid comment uh, because Auburn is, A, not good as a team, and they really aren't good on offense. Uh, You don't have that type of confidence with this football team, it is the correct confidence. It's the confidence that is backed by the work that they put in Monday through Friday. And Josh Heupel talked about that uh, today, that leading up to the LSU game last week, that they had really good days of practice. Uh, The preparation was awesome all week long. And and that preparation gives them confidence going into the game on Saturday. And Hendon Hooker echoed uh, those comments. And that was also the, the theme leading up to the Florida game. It was the the talk after the Florida game as to why they were able to knock off Florida despite everything going on in Knoxville and, and in Neyland Stadium, and uh, they're they're going to have to to keep that method going because Alabama's coming to town, and it may not be number one Alabama. It, it sure does feel like Alabama's due for a loss, but at the end of the day, it's still Alabama, and uh, I, I think Tennessee's better than Florida and LSU and and Pittsburgh on paper, this is the first game this season in which Tennessee is not the better team on paper. And that has nothing to do with Tennessee. It's just that it's Alabama. 
I mean, the, what else really needs to be said? So, uh, Ryan, they're going to have to keep that method. And, and you heard it from Hendon Hooker today that it's it's the next opportunity. Each week they talk about the opportunity that week in Alabama happens to be the opportunity this week. You, you've heard Josh Heifel talk about it, that they don't need to do anything out of the uh, – or they don't need to do anything extraordinary. They just need to do the ordinary at an extraordinary level. So you've heard that same message communicated this week. And uh, if Tennessee is going to beat Alabama, it's going to be because they stay within themselves and they don't beat themselves. Yeah, exactly right. And I, th- I thought that's what they they did so well Saturday. They just they just basically did a lot of the things they've been doing at a higher level for the most part, especially the pass rush uh, on, on defense, get, getting to the quarterback much more than they had. Uh, in, in previous games, um, and that, that's that's the recipe. Now they, I think they've got the results to show them that that's all they need to do. That they don't have to necessarily go into this game saying, "Hey, we're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to go for it on fourth down all game." You know, stuff like that, just to, to give ourselves a chance at an upset. They just got to do what they do well again. And uh, I think they go into this game because of that with a lot of confidence. I think they really feel they can beat Alabama. I think there was a. It, it seems like there's been a quiet confidence within the program building for weeks that this game might be gettable for Tennessee, that they really might have a shot against Alabama. And and that's not something I would have expected this, you know, this program to feel and and wouldn't have expected to think myself going into the season. So um, I, I, you know, I, I I would definitely tell fans this week to enjoy this uh, because we've been, we've been deprived of this for about a decade and a half now, a, a good, meaningful Tennessee Alabama game you know there was a top 10 matchup in 2016 but I, I don't think people really expected Tennessee to to pull off the upset that year coming off that that loss at Texas A&M uh it ended up being a lopsided game for this to be a top 10 showdown again and for us to feel well the spread single digits it's the first time that's happened since 2008 in this game um so so that alone is impressive and for for us to go into this game thinking hey Tennessee could legitimately win Maybe even if Bryce Young plays, um, that it's it's just crazy that we're already at this point in year two under Josh Heupel for for Tennessee and 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 them being back in this spot this quickly. So uh, enjoy this. I, I know Tennessee fans are going to. They're going to be the center of the college football world this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. But it's just crazy to me that I went into the season just assuming this was a loss for Tennessee because I thought this was one of the best Bama teams ever on paper and. They've looked very human at times in recent weeks, and part of that's been Bryce Young sitting out, but part of it's not. And so that's that's it's fascinating about this game. I, I never thought this would be an attainable game for Tennessee, but it looks like it kind of might be. Yeah, and and we're gonna have a full week to discuss this. I, I imagine we'll get uh, either Travis Ryer or Charlie Potter one. Uh, our good friends from BOL, Bama uh, Online. I think we'll we'll get one of them on here by the uh, end of the week, certainly for the pregame podcast. We'll, we'll have uh, a podcast Thursday, too, and we'll have a lot of time, including the rest of this podcast, to to start discussing this game and the significance of it, the matchups, what it means, all of these things. But we also need to discuss uh, some some bad news for, for Tennessee that came out Sunday night. Uh, we're... There's no sugar way to sugarcoat this. Uh, one of Tennessee's leaders in the in the program, uh, senior safety Jalen Tank McCullough, was arrested after an incident uh, over the weekend. Uh, he was charged with uh, felony aggravated assault, which sort of is eye popping to me given the police report. But 
essentially, uh, I'm going to be very careful, and I would urge everyone to be careful in making assumptions on this yet. I, I think it's fine to to report the facts, obviously, but I think it probably should be stuck to that right now because uh, I personally have a lot of questions uh, from a situation that, that started per the police report when uh, Jalen McCullough and his girlfriend were at their house, someone who was allegedly intoxicated uh, mistakenly walked into the to their apartment, meant to go somewhere else, uh, and then some sort of an incident occurred. There was some talking back and forth, and as the fellow had already left, um, Jalen McCullough allegedly punched him, and he fell down the stairs, knocked out some teeth, and uh, Jalen McCullough was then uh, arrested a while later. So uh, I, I have a lot of questions because Jalen McCullough initially was minding his own business with his girlfriend in his girlfriend's house. Uh, you don't know why that guy's coming into the house. There's lots of questions there. So I think for the time being, uh, and especially knowing what people around the program and what we all have experienced with Jalen McCullough over the years, I, I would caution people against assuming too much here. So let's just, I, I think probably let's keep it to football right now because there's a lot of questions from that, and I think they're legitimate questions, and I think that process needs to play out. I would say that all the time, but especially in this situation because I have some concerns after looking at that about what happened there. So let's talk about football. If Jalen McCullough cannot play in this game, fellas, he, he's not been a great player. At times he's been a, a solid player. At times he has not been. Um, but he is someone who knows the defense well. They have him out there for a reason. He's a leader on the field, a leader in the locker room. What happens if he does not play against Alabama? It's it's going to be a loss for Tennessee defensively, but you know I, I think fans will probably have a, a different view of that depending on what they think of Jalen McCullough. They, they said the same He's, thing about Warren Burrell until he was gone too. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and hey, I don't know that still Tennessee's can't defend been, anybody in the secondary. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure anything's changed a whole lot there. I, I think you could argue the results have been pretty similar with and without Warren Burrell. And it might be the kind of kind of the same situation here. I, I think you could at least, depending on how Tennessee would go about replacing Jalen McCullough, and and I'm, I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what Josh Heupel decides to do. I thought it was very interesting and probably the right thing Monday that he didn't really comment on on his status. Interesting. The most interest, interesting part to me is that he did not just say, we're, he's indefinitely suspended. Yes, there's, been, while, there's been no talk of that right now. Yeah, while we await more facts or anything like that, he just said essentially we're waiting to find out more um, because this did happen late Sunday night. Uh, they they've still they still need time to to sort of sort this out because it is an unusual situation. I think so. We'll see what they decide to do, but I do think the felony charge being out there. Uh, until or unless that's adjusted or whatever, that sort of makes it tough for Tennessee going into this game. And if they if he does end up sitting out, I, th- I think my my best guess is Danico Slaughter is probably the next one in line. We've seen him get some playing time at safety. He was out there some Saturday against LSU. So I, I think he would be next in line most likely. But you could at least make a case that, you know, hey, Wesley Walker or someone like that is at least capable of playing there. Do you consider making a move like that? You know, Walker got some playing time again at the star position Saturday, so maybe they wouldn't want to take him out of that rotation with Tamari McDonald, but that's that's at least an option there. And and maybe, you know, maybe you look into to something else at that position. I mean, maybe maybe you know, McDonald goes back there. I mean, possibly. He, he, I don't think he's been working there, and that's that's the problem. But you've got some options. If you need to get creative, you know, Christian Charles has played there in the past. Tamari McDonald, obviously, is a, is a former safety. So you've got some other guys that, are capable of playing there if you think that's your best option. 
but I, the, the easiest solution for Tennessee would be to just go with Nico Slaughter. He's, he's in the two deep there, has played on a pretty regular basis. He's certainly capable of that. Um, but does Tennessee feel that they need to, to do something different to get their best five players on the field? And do they rotate more than we've seen at safety? Is this a week where maybe they need to work in Andre Turrentine a little bit more if he's out? Uh, to, to at least get some snaps off the bench or be available if, if Danico Slaughter or whoever were to struggle. Uh, that They could take a, a sort of multifaceted approach to this and maybe use multiple guys or have multiple guys ready to go and just kind of figure it out as the game goes along because it might be something where they have to sort of adjust on the fly. Yeah, on the football field, I, I don't think that this is as big of a loss as it may seem. Is it a loss? Yes. I'm, I'm not saying that it's not. Tank has, has played a ton of football. Uh, he he's one of the leaders, and, and honestly, I I think the leadership aspect is the the bigger issue here than yep. the production on the field. Uh, Jalen McCullough, I I just I, I just kind of think he's solid on his best day, uh, quite honestly. And I, I don't know that uh, there, there would be wildly different results if a younger player is playing back there. That that's just my. My honest opinion uh, is: Is it possible that uh, a younger player is playing if he's not available and has a bust? Yes, absolutely. I, I recognize or, or, that. Or that, pre snap alignment on where a guy should be. Correct. That that is that is absolutely a thing, and that's why Tank and Trayvon Flowers have continued to play. It is because they may not make the play physically but they're going to be where they are supposed to be pre-snap and help the defense get aligned. And there is a lot to be said for that. But on the flip side of that, how important is that if Jalen McCullough is where he needs to be and still gives up a big play because he is limited athletically and limited as a football player? So that's why I don't think that it's as big of a loss X's and O's wise, because okay, sure he's he's in place to make a play, but he doesn't make plays. And when he doesn't make plays and he misses tackles or takes poor angles, he he's giving up even bigger plays. So I, I my initial reaction was was that it's not a, a big loss on the football field from an X's and O's standpoint. I, I still think the secondary is a weakness for Tennessee, a weakness for the Tennessee defense. I, I think whether he plays or not, uh, he he's. He, it's going to be a weakness. And kind of the point that, that I was making with it not being as big of a loss as it may seem, as it may seem that, that's more me speaking to people outside of Knoxville. I think Tennessee fans recognize what Jalen McCullough is at this point in his career. But for instance, I myself who uh, went to high school in the state of Alabama and have a bunch of friends who are Alabama fans, I, I woke up to, to text from three or four people this morning about the headline of, Oh, Tennessee safety's out. Look, look at this. And, and my response was like, I, I get it from your your perspective. You see that one of Tennessee's starting safeties, a guy that's played a lot of football, is is probably not going to play this week. But he, he's not that that good. And, and like the secondary's going to be bad with or without him. Uh, and, and honestly, I, this isn't meant to just completely throw Jalen McCullough under the bus, but it, it almost could serve as a blessing in disguise, in my opinion. If a guy like Nico Slaughter gets in there uh, and continues to make plays because he made a play or two down there in Baton Rouge, uh, could could this be the opening to get a different guy on the field that that could 
possibly make more plays. So, Ryan, I, I think the bigger loss is from a leadership standpoint than a football standpoint because there, there's no denying that uh, as a guy in the locker room, Jalen McCullough is towards the top of the list of, of guys who who has respect in that locker room. Yeah, de- definitely a well-respected leader for that defense. And on the field, I would put some value in that too. I think the, the one football aspect that people might overlook a little bit, and I, I'm not going to completely discount this. I think they might miss him if he's not able to play in this game in this sense. Linebacker and safety are the two positions where coaches will sometimes stick with, say, a less athletic player because he knows what to do and he's in the right spots because there's so much value in that. And if you play a safety who's more athletic but doesn't necessarily know what to do and isn't always in the right spot, that can be more detrimental than playing a guy who's, who's not as fast, say. So you, I think you do definitely have a chance to potentially even upgrade athletically by playing without Jalen McCullough because he's not the fastest safety in the world. Um, so you, you have a chance to maybe upgrade in that way but I think you might lose some of the play recognition, some of the, the understanding of the system. He's played a lot of games at this point. Um, so, so losing that aspect could still be a detriment to Tennessee, even though I agree that athletically you're not losing much. I think you certainly could argue that Tennessee loses some, some veteran know-how that in this game could show up, could lead to a bust uh, that creates a big play. Tennessee's been pretty bad at allowing completions and even Saturday, you know, Jaden Daniels put up pretty good numbers despite the fact that LSU didn't really stretch the field as much as I think they should and didn't really attack Tennessee's secondary the way they probably should have tried to. Um, but he still put up good numbers against that secondary. He just didn't – they didn't hit many big plays. They didn't, they didn't throw, get it in big chunks. If you got a safety out of position, it could lead to some big chunks. And against a team like Alabama, you don't need that. So whether it's a missed tackle or a missed assignment, there could still be some situations where Tennessee might end up saying, if he's not able to play, hey, we missed Jalen McCullough because of this. Yeah, I'll be quick because we need to get to break here. But I, I think, first off, I have, a, as I said earlier, a lot of questions off the field about this after looking at that report. And, and I, I, again, hope that a guy who's done nothing off the field but have a tremendous reputation for the past five years um, or four years, I, I, I hope that the actual due diligence is given here because I, I have – I look at that report and I have some concerns as a citizen. I have some concerns, uh, and I hope that that they uh, take those seriously. And I imagine they will on the field. On the field, I would say Tennessee's coaches coaches are not infallible, but I think every week they do a cost benefit analysis on who should be out there and why. And I think in their minds they consistently come to the answer that even though he gives up some plays because he frustratingly takes poor angles or he just can't get the guy on the ground. I think they do a cost benefit and think that's still better than putting out a guy who we're not sure he knows what he's doing. Um, and I don't know if it's right or wrong. I, I don't, I just think, and at times I think just give somebody else a chance, just look, cause this is hurting you bad, but they go with him. They trust him. They go with him. And it's their team, and they probably are doing that for a reason. They don't want to lose the game. They want to win the game. And so they're putting the guys out there that they think will have them win the game. Um, but athletically, what, what, what is inarguable is that if Tennessee plays this game without Jalen McCullough, it will have a more athletic secondary. That There is no debate about that. There is none. Uh, McCullough, uh, to this point, has been a great citizen. He's a guy in the locker room who everybody likes. Uh, in respects, and he plays hard, he's accountable, he tries. He, the guys on the team have a lot of respect for him. 
uh, despite sometimes on the film where you have to go, oh, God, did that happen again? So that probably says a, that, that says a lot to me. Um, but athletically, they'd be better without him out there. I know that sounds harsh, but it's just the reality, and I think we have to call things what they are. Now, what does that matter? I, I don't know, because there's going to be times where Jameer Gibbs is going to get out in space and a safety's going to have to get him on the ground. And athletically, I would think that some of these other safeties have a better chance of doing that. Um, but you, you, you have to make that comparison or you have to say, well, what if a guy out there misses a couple of adjustments, doesn't tell the linebackers where to be, doesn't adjust anything, doesn't get the call in, he and Flowers can't get on the same page, and Gibbs is in a, so much space to begin with that it doesn't matter who you've got, he's going to score a touchdown. So that that's the question I have, and I, I don't know that we'll be able to answer that at all until we see how things go Saturday because I just don't think there's an easy answer there. Because I think if it were that, to me, I, I have to think – if it were that easy for the decision uh, for the coaches to make, they would have made it already. This is their guy, so in their mind, there's got to be a reason for that. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I just I I I kind of think that this could be a, a positive for Tennessee, as I, I was discussing from a uh, athletic standpoint. But but also that there is a lot to be said about the the leadership aspect of of, of things as well, and. Uh, Ryan touched on on something that I also touched on, and and that's that uh, to to the common fan, it, it may not seem like it, or the casual football observer, it may not seem like it, but especially because the TV doesn't really show the safeties every single play, but the, the mm-hmm. safeties ha- have a, a large say and and a large role in in getting guys lined up. I mean that that just is what it is, and I. I don't necessarily love McCullough's athleticism, but th- this speaks to to some of what McCullough can provide. Uh, Jawan Mitchell, he, he's been talked about because of his athleticism for two years now, and and he goes down to LSU and has zero tackles because, in my opinion, he doesn't really know where he needs to be or what he needs to do. That that's what that tells me. If you have zero tackles in a game in which you start. And I don't have his exact snaps in front of me, so maybe he didn't play as much as it feels like. But if you have zero tackles and you're perceived as a starting linebacker, that that tells me you don't know what you're doing or where you need to be. That that's almost he, impossible. How are you a starting linebacker? Yeah, you have zero tackles, and and the guy that is on the bench that that you took his starting spot after you didn't play the first two games of the season, the less athletic guy, Aaron Beasley, who's a, a better football player just isn't as athletic he comes in and leads the team in tackles with with nine so there there is a little bit of that as well with Jalen McCullough you, you could put a Andre Turrentine or a Danico Slaughter or maybe even a Wesley Walker or, or somebody like that you, you you move things around and, and maybe they are more athletically and can provide a, a big play for you more often than McCullough McCullough can, but you, at least you know McCullough's going to get guys lined up and he's going to be where he needs to be. That's why he continues to play, and that's the real loss of it on top of the leadership aspect. Well, I think yeah. I think Tennessee's coaches, generally speaking, are not afraid of things. like They, never, they don't coach out of fear. I also think in a game of this magnitude, uh, when you know exactly how loud the crowd's going to be every time Bama's offense is on the field, you're going to have to go with a guy you trust. Because you're good point. There's going to be you, you can't hear yourself think on defense out there, and that's why Byron Young and other guys have said 
Uh, they like playing on the road sometimes better because as much as they love Neyland, they like being able to get their calls and hear them and know what they're doing, which they can and do hey, on I thought, the road. I thought about that Saturday. Tennessee's defense did play a bit better, and a lot of that was the defensive front, but I wondered if part of that was they communicated so much better in that game maybe because they were on the road and didn't have to worry about the noise. It's an interesting thing. It's a lot of push and pull there. Uh, we got a lot more to discuss, though. We're overdue for a break. We've got to get to it. We're going to uh, come back and talk about you know Cedric Tillman, you know, Bryce Young, we're, we're, we got a lot of things that we need to talk about, and we will talk about them, but I think we had to shove the most important stuff to the first segment so uh, and also put that LSU game to bed. So let's pay some bills. Let's go away, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then let's come right back here for more discussion on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house, which we still need to name, and it's driving me nuts that we haven't. Also, the home daycare center of Ryan Callahan. We got a lot to talk about. This is a huge week, one of the biggest weeks for Tennessee football in a long, long, long time. Lots to discuss about this game, the personnel, the matchups, the injuries, the concerns, the things that that, that look good. Uh, And there are more things that look good this week um, than usual uh, in this week and and in recent years. So there's a lot to discuss there. Um, We're going to get to it. But before we do that, just a quick request from our end. If you could take about a minute, let's say 60, 75, 90 seconds tops out of your day right now. And if you can go in there and subscribe to this podcast and rate and review this podcast, we would appreciate the hell out of it. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's fine. There's no wrong way to consume the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there and you download it or you subscribe to it there on Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod. You can find the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. I would say none, but let's be honest. Occasionally there are some, but very few complaints from our end. The one thing we ask, please do please rate, review, subscribe, 
and please tell your friends. Tell people that you see uh, at church. Tell people that you see at work. Tell people that you see when you're playing golf. Tell people that you see when you're walking your dog. You know what? If you just see someone in an orange shirt at a stoplight, be like, hey, um, I'm not trying to be creepy here or anything, but uh, you're wearing orange, and I don't have any friends, so I wish you would be my friend. Um, but be, regardless, you like the Vols. I like the Vols. You should listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. If you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, back to football. Big, big week for Tennessee, and a big, big week for Alabama, too, if we're being honest, certainly. There, there's no... Uh, there's no question about it. Alabama usually at least once a year has a hiccup, um, but usually learns from it. Alabama's had two hiccups this year, and it's gotten away with it both times, um, but it's had a couple of really, 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 really close calls that maybe should not have been close calls against teams that I don't think are as good as this Tennessee team, and they're coming to Neyland Stadium. So they got a lot of concerns down there. They've got to discuss their quarterback situation. A lot going on there, but let's start with Tennessee – Cedric Tillman, what do we know? What do we think? Uh, he obviously did not play the past two games. Tennessee still put up a metric crap ton of points and yards, but th- this is a different test this week, and I think they would really, really, really love to have him back. Guys, what do we know? What do we think? I, I think Cedric Tillman's going to play on Saturday, and that is purely me reading between the lines. Um, now, I, I, I do know that the the hope all along was that worst case scenario he's going to be back by Alabama not that it was a 100% guarantee it's still not a 100% guarantee that he'll play this Saturday but i would say it's very likely that that he plays Saturday that that's been the hope all along despite being way too optimistic about florida uh and probably way too optimistic on purpose to to kind of keep Florida from knowing that he wasn't going to play. And and then uh, this past week against LSU, probably a, a little too optimistic uh, as well. But uh, I, I do know that the, the plan at worst all along was, was that he would play against Alabama. Again, not 100% set in stone that he'll play on Saturday. But when, when you pair that knowledge with what Josh Heupel said on Monday, that he was feeling good, I, I think he's going to play, Ryan. We'll, we'll see. And um, – I think it. I mean, it goes without being said. I mean, he, he's a huge addition. He's arguably the best wide receiver in the country, if not the best, one of the best. Uh, and you're adding that to what some people who know the wide receiver position way better than I think is the best wide receiver unit in the entire country. So uh, it's certainly a, a big addition. And I'll also add in not that Alabama's corners are bad, but they're they're not the Alabama corners or, or secondary that we've become accustomed to over the years. So uh, I already think that Jalen Hyatt and Brew McCoy uh, are more than capable of making plays against the secondary. If you add Cedric Tillman to that mix, then you certainly have a potential to that, – that's going to be, in my opinion, the route to, to upsetting Alabama is winning that matchup. And, Ryan, I mean, it goes without being said that adding Cedric Tillman to that matchup would just be a unbelievably huge boost uh, for Tennessee. It, it really would. And, and it can't be said enough that, that Tennessee's receivers have done a fantastic job of, of just continuing to do what they do with Cedric Tillman out the past two games. I'm, I'm honestly surprised that they've been as good as they have. I thought they would – have some bumps in the road. I thought they would struggle to put up some of the same numbers 
without Tillman. He had gotten such a large share of the targets the first three games of the season that I just thought they were definitely going to be a little bit out of sync, maybe, uh, if nothing else, and that guys would have trouble getting separation. So the fact that they've had so much production out of out of Jalen Hyatt, that Brew McCoy's had some had a couple of really good games uh, without Cedric Tillman in there, and that Ramel Keaton has stepped up and made plays is just a huge deal. And then, you know, it's, it's just you would assume it's just going to give them that much more confidence once they get Tillman back in there. And if that's Saturday, yeah, that's that's definitely a huge deal. It gives them a, a much better chance of just matching up talent-wise. Like you said, this this maybe isn't a dominating Alabama secondary or hasn't been so far, but, um, but still just talent-wise, they've got so many good athletes across the board that, you know, if you're Tennessee – you're, you know, you're still building back your roster as crazy as it sounds. You know, this is a top 10 team that's undefeated, but they still don't have a, a flawless roster or anything close to that. So you need all hands on deck to match up with a team that's as good top to bottom as Alabama. And Cedric Tillman gives you a much better chance of doing that. He's a guy Alabama will have to account for every time he's on the field. You know, it, the, the most interesting part to me, and I would agree right now based on what I've heard, I, th- I think there's a pretty good chance Tillman plays in this game. Uh, it's still definitely not a sure thing, but it's a, a pretty good chance of that. But if he is out there, I wonder, will he be limited at all? Will they have to, to sort of manage him? Will there be even certain kinds of routes that yeah, they have to, to be Yeah, because they're not of? slowing down this offense. That, yeah. they, they can't slow down this offense because it, it affects too much of what they do. And if, and if there's any question about it being 100%, do you have to you know manage him differently at all or anything like that? And you know, because you, you've got to worry about the long haul here, too. I mean, th- this is a, a really important game for Tennessee, obviously, that could change, uh, certainly speed up the 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 re- trajectory of this of this rebuild that Tennessee has sped up already. Um, but you you really need to, to think about the rest of the season, too, because uh, you've got some important games uh, starting in a couple weeks, Kentucky, Georgia, uh, that you need to win down the stretch. So, you know, they, they do have to make the right decision here for, for him and for the team in the long run. But I think they they feel there's a good chance he plays this week, and and if he does, that's that, that's a huge huge deal to a team that's already still putting up 500 plus yards a week without him. They just uh, they get that much better and that much tougher to defend if he's out there. Yeah, the two things I'll say I'll try to say them quickly is that I I would have concerns on the surface anyways about his conditioning at least a little bit um, because you have to be in elite shape as a wide receiver to play in this offense. I don't know that people can appreciate until you really just watch them, focus on them for a 60-minute game, watch how much they are sprinting, how far they're running, what they're doing. And and if, if Tillman, I don't know what he's been able to do or not do. I don't know if he's been able to get on a bike. I, I don't know what he's been able to do to kind of keep his cardio up because he's going to need it um, because this offense does not slow down. They're going to go, they're going to go, they're going to go. So would he be in shape enough to, to do that? And, and for how many drives and reps and could he play? And, and that, that's a question I have. I'm sure that, that I'm certain that they've considered all of those things and they're going to have answers for that, uh, good or bad, but they're going to have answers before they get into that game. Uh, and then secondly, I would say this, whether Cedric Tillman plays or doesn't play, uh, regardless of how good Tennessee's wide receivers are, uh, Tennessee's got to deal with the best player in college football coming off the edge. And if they don't have a plan to keep him at least somewhat contained, it's not going to matter what the wide receivers are doing downfield because Hendon Hooker will be on his backside and he will be picking shards of, of, of chunks of grass out of his face mask. Uh, will Anderson is, is phenomenal. He's the best player in college football. And they're going to have to have a plan 
to to chip him, to move the pocket, roll the pocket, um, you know, keep him guessing on run pass. They're going to have a lot to do there um, because that is a very, very good player. And I don't think Tennessee at this point really fears anybody. But if you fear anybody, it, it might this might be the guy, the guy you make an exception for. Uh, he's really, 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 really good. And we're, we'll talk about him a lot this week, but um, he is a problem. He's he the is. best. You said you, you said it best. He's the best player in college football, and uh, it, it, it is a matchup that I feel Tennessee is better equipped to handle than most teams because I think Tennessee's tackles are, are better than most teams' tackles. But he, he's still the best player in college football. I mean, it, it, you need Trey Smith coming back for 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 this one. Uh, or, or Jawan James, uh, an elite tackle to to feel better uh, about this. Maybe we can get Tiny Richardson on the phone, and, and maybe he can play uh, this week, yeah. considering he had to deal with South Carolina Jadavion Clowney. But uh, Darnell Wright, we nobody's talking about him, but he's having a really nice season uh, to where uh, he he's going to have a decision uh, to to make at the end of the year. And uh, kind of weird that Gerald Mincy did not play this past week. Uh, he's certainly better. Uh, as a run blocker than in pass pro, in in my opinion, uh, but he is better in pass pro than than JJ Crawford. Although JJ Crawford did look good against LSU over the weekend, uh, so that's that's going to be one of the matchups that that determine the game. And it, and the thing that makes Alabama so scary is that yes, they have Will Anderson, but Will Anderson frees up the other guys yeah. on that Alabama defensive front, like guys like mm-hmm. Dallas Turner on the other side who are more than capable of beating you one-on-one as well. So that's going to be a, a big matchup in this one. And not only because you don't want to see Hendon blown up like he was uh, against LSU, but, I mean, you you obviously need time to get these elite receivers to football. I mean, it's just simple simple football. Uh, the, the quarterback needs time to get the ball to the receivers, and uh, you also want to be able to run the ball uh, as well. So that's, that's going to be one of the matchups that, that determine the game. And obviously, you on paper you give the edge to Alabama on that matchup, but but I do feel like Tennessee is is better equipped uh, to not stop him, but slow him down because I, I do think Tennessee's in a good spot at tackle. Uh, certainly, far better position at tackle than I thought they were during fall camp. The, that's the that's the impressive thing about Saturday to me is that I thought they would definitely struggle against LSU's pass rushers without. Gerald Mincy, who's been pretty good in pass protection and is maybe even Tennessee's best pass protector um, based on the early numbers from this season, um, but just hadn't been overpowering in the run game. And without him, with Dane Davis and uh, Jeremiah Crawford in there, played well enough to to contain those guys. Um, And it does sound like Mincy will be back this week, so that's very good news for Tennessee. But that that, that would give me a a lot more confidence if I'm Tennessee going into this game that they can – put up a much better fight against those Alabama edge rushers than I would have given them credit for. I, I thought they were going to struggle with LSU's edge, edge guys, and the fact that they didn't uh, is, is pretty impressive. So to, there, no doubt that's the biggest challenge uh, for, from Alabama. If Bryce Young is back. You know, it changes the look of that offense. But the, on defense, you, you've got a lot of things to worry about, but those edge rushers to me are, are 1A and 1B. Because um, as you said, Ben, it's not just Will Anderson. I think Dallas Turner's a freak. Um, so those two guys being on opposite ends – that's a that's a handful, and and not only are Tennessee's tackles gonna have to be good, they're gonna have to be good at the running back position, uh, picking up those blitz, uh, those those rushers off the edge and blitzes. That they've got to make good decisions 
and and you you can't see uh, what they can't have is is Hendon Hooker taking a shot like he did Saturday at LSU and, and getting blindsided by the corner blitz. Uh, you can't have Dylan Sampson or whoever in the game missing a uh, missing a pickup and and resulting in Hooker taking a shot. You know, Hooker was slow to get up from that one. You, you got to keep him healthy first and foremost, and, and you've got to keep your offense on track by not taking sacks. So uh, that's a huge part of this game to me is if Tennessee's offense. Uh, and the offensive line in particular can continue to build on what they clearly did Saturday by playing, I thought, really well against LSU's pass rush and keeping those guys in check. Yeah, and, and Ryan alluded to, alluded to something that we definitely need to discuss next, which is Bryce Young, obviously, uh, one of also one of the best players in college football, a guy who did not play last week, uh, and a guy who whose absence nearly led to a loss uh, against Texas A&M, which I don't think is as good as Tennessee. Uh, so, and that was a game at Bryant Denny Stadium at night when, when the crowd should be fired up and was fired up, and the crowd really helped them make some plays down the stretch that that probably helped them win that game. But uh, that is a huge deal to watch this week because uh, Alabama's backup quarterback situation is not maybe as settled as it has been or at times in the past. You know, there were times you think about a couple years ago when you had what you had the you had three NFL starters on the same team because there's pictures of them smoking cigars in the locker room together after after the win over Tennessee. And it's like, yep, those three NFL starters right there. So they don't have that right now. Um, They got some talent. There's no question about it. But they were not the same without Bryce Young. They, They did not throw the ball as efficiently. They were not as dynamic that way. They were a little bit more predictable. They had to as good as Jameer Gibbs is, they had to lean on him and they had to try some different misdirection stuff and things that you don't normally see. And, and so that is a huge deal. And so far, all we've heard from, from Nick Saban on Monday, and Saban, to his credit, usually I would dare venture, I'd say he talks about injuries more than most do. I think he's a little bit more honest about it and upfront than other coaches are. I know a lot of people don't like to hear anything nice about the guy. And you would say, well, his roster is better than everybody, so of course he doesn't care as much to talk about it. But uh, to his credit, he normally is pretty candid when discussing injury stuff. And and so I, I, he says he doesn't know. I think that's true. I think he doesn't know. I think they don't know right now, uh, unless y'all have heard something that I have not heard. The the few rumblings I've heard from down there in Tuscaloosa are they're still really not sure. I, I think we're going to see Bryce Young on Saturday. I, I think Monday and Nick Saban saying that they don't know was – was more gamesmanship than not. Now, I do feel it's like the Cedric Tillman situation in, in which it's not a 100% chance uh, that that Bryce plays, but I would, on Monday, and then speaking to some people who would know uh, about that situation, I would be surprised if Bryce Young isn't the starting quarterback on Saturday. Uh, and that is certainly uh, something to keep an eye on because <laughs> Bryce Young won the Heisman last year for a reason. Uh, and, and not only did he win the Heisman for a reason, he's just a, a really, really good football player. He, he's arguably the best quarterback in, in the country, and he, he can beat you in, in so many ways. I, I think people view him as a runner first, but really he's a passer first, and, and he is elite at throwing the football. He make all the throws, uh, but then he is also capable of beating you with his legs and extending plays and, and making something out of nothing. A, a lot of the, the Matt Corral, uh, that we saw beat Tennessee last year in terms of his elusiveness and being able to extend plays. Passer first, but more than capable of beating you with his legs. So uh, I anticipate him playing on Saturday. Uh, and 
If not, I, I do think it would be a, a break for Tennessee because, like you said, Wes, the, the backup quarterback position isn't as settled as it has been in years past. I, I like Jalen Milrow. I, I think he's going to be a good college quarterback. I, I think he is a a poor man's Jalen Hurts, and, and I mean that in as good of a way possible as, well, yeah, as I Hurt, can. Hurts, Hurts has, has got, was becoming one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Yes, uh, but – Jalen Hurts was was awesome as a true freshman, uh, whereas Milrow, he's awesome running the football, and he is a freaking specimen. He he is yoked up, um, but he he's not he's not anywhere near being the passer, even that Jalen Hurts was as a freshman. And and I know that's always been a knock throughout Jalen Hurts' career, but even Milrow is a lesser passer than than what Jalen is, but is certainly capable of beating you with his legs, and that's kind of been the common theme. And maybe we need to stop spending so much time discussing it as football fans because nowadays you're going to face a dual-threat quarterback every single week. You're going to face a quarterback every game, more more likely than not, that is capable of beating you with his legs. But we saw, for the most part, Tennessee hold Anthony Richardson in check with his legs. I think it was 60-something rushing yards. Uh, they they did not allow him to to get out of the pocket and, and really just kill them with his legs, and, and neither did Jaden Daniels. So if it is Milrow, then I think that is certainly a great sign because he he theoretically shouldn't hurt you uh, passing the football. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Tennessee secondary <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, no, situation. No guarantees there at length. Correct. So um, guys will be open, but Tennessee has done a great job of, of bottling up the run. Uh, and forcing teams to beat them throwing the football, which is somewhat why the, the numbers have been inflated. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's just common sense. Bryce Young's a Heisman-winning quarterback. Uh, Jalen Milrow, very talented, capable of beating you with his legs. But he, he's a, a freshman, and he's not a good passer at this stage in his career. So, I mean, it, it's just simple football. You'd rather face him than Bryce Young. But I, I, I think Bryce is going to play on Saturday. I would lean that direction too, but I, I do think there are some long-term considerations from from what I've gathered so far that might yeah Byron might be Byron a, Young being one of them. Yeah, and, and let's face it, uh, Bryce Young's a top NFL draft prospect. He's got to think about more than just this game uh, for himself because he he's he's looking at being an early draft pick this year if things go really well and it stays on track. Everything stays on track for him. He, he's got a chance to make a lot of money, uh, so he's he's got a a, a big picture decision to make, and, and I would I would say that still allows him to play Saturday, but but I, I think that just that seed of doubt is still in 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 your mind about that, just knowing what is on the line for him throughout this season, and and from from Alabama's perspective, they they've got to think big picture too because this game is very important for them, but. We've seen it a lot over the years. Alabama can afford a regular season loss and usually still make the playoff. Um, so They're still got to play, still got to play Ole Miss, still got to play Miss State. They they do, and I'm not saying by any means you like just chalk it up and say, "Yeah, oh, we'll make it with one loss." But like they they do have to think about the big picture too. If the, if it's a tough decision at all this week, I think that that at least has to enter the the, the thought process that hey. We can still make it even if we don't lose this game, and, and I think there's they're still a confident in what they have as a team. And if they're without Bryce Young this week, they're still they're still very capable of winning even without him, as they showed Saturday. And they're they're capable of, of bouncing back and making the playoff even if they were to lose this game. But it's this big of a deal. I think 
If Bryce Young plays, Alabama opened as more than a touchdown favorite, and I think that's perfectly fair. If Bryce Young doesn't play, based on what we saw Saturday, I'm not so sure Tennessee shouldn't be a slight favorite because they are very capable of beating Alabama without Bryce Young. Based on what we saw Saturday, and Tennessee's defense, hey, they're not great. They're going to give up some points, I think, regardless. Uh, Saturday was a step in the right direction for them, but LSU, uh, as an offense, hasn't wowed me. Uh, Alabama's going to be a lot tougher to stop. And yeah. Tennessee's not not going to just just have a, a similar performance against Alabama without uh, without you know facing some serious challenges. So even with Milroe, Tennessee's going to have a tough test. But I think they're more than capable of beating Alabama with Jalen Milroe. So I think this is still the story of the week. You know they're going to be in the center of the college football world this week. This is a huge game. So there's going to be a ton of attention paid to that injury. But I think that is deservingly the number one story for this game because if Bryce Young plays. It's still a pretty big upset if Tennessee pulls this one off, even at home with the ma- you know massive, uh, juiced up crowd. If Bryce Young doesn't play, uh, Tennessee fans are gonna be licking their chops because they saw Alabama play Saturday night and they know that that's a a very beatable team without Bryce Young right now. Yeah, I do think we need to recalibrate or or just slightly adjust the way we discuss this Tennessee defense because I I think just to say it's not a good defense, I I, I think that's a bit. I don't know if harsh is the right word, but I I do think it's a little bit wrong because when you look at it, Tennessee is 11th nationally against the run. And Tennessee, it's not just a volume thing because Tennessee is even better than that. 2.79 yards per carry, 7th nationally in yards allowed per rush. So Tennessee is a flawed defense. It is very much an imperfect defense. And it is a defense that at times is going to give up a lot of points. Because Tennessee goes so fast on offense, there are more plays in the game. We have to look differently at the stats, I think, than you normally would because you have to look at the the number of plays opponents are having in a game, which, you know, you can look at the third down numbers and fourth down numbers, and those are still the same. No matter how many plays you got in a game, those percentages are are important. Uh, But first downs allowed per game, all these other things, I'm not not as concerned about that because I think what Tennessee is doing is saying – okay, we get it, we're bad in the back. We know we are, okay? It's like uh, they don't want to look at their backside in the mirror. They just don't. They're not going to like what they see. So what they do is uh, they flaunt what they got. They go after the quarterback, they keep you pinned in against the run, and they make you take your shots, and if you get them, you get them. But I think they are actually, for what they have to work with, I don't think they're doing a terrible job. One caveat, did not like the plan against Florida, uh, once they saw what Richardson was doing, I think there were adjustments that needed to be made, and I don't know that they were in time. Uh, they were in time to win the game, but not in time to maybe prevent that from being a closer game. So I, 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 I'm not saying that, that thumbs up all the way around, but I think for most of the season with what they have to work with, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. Yes, and I, I agree with that point for sure, Wes. I don't think that they're a bad defense. Uh, I, I think they're better than, than maybe people realize. And, and look, even we have spoke at length about Tennessee's secondary concerns. Uh, we've beaten that drum over the head plenty of times. But uh, we, we haven't talked enough uh, about the defensive front and what they are doing, both against the run and against the pass. Uh, they, they are playing terrific football. Uh, Amari Thomas is Tennessee's best interior defensive lineman. He's having a heck of a season. But then all those other guys in there, 
the Dejon Terry's and the Karak Garland's and, and the Bryson Eason's and, and now the Dominic Bailey's and, and the Tyree West. And I'm sure I'm leaving somebody off, but the, they're all chipping in. No, nobody is really playing at the level Amari Thomas is, but they don't have to because on, on each play, it's somebody different. It, it's very much by a committee type of approach and it's getting the job done. They're, they're the, the defensive tackles are playing really good football. Uh, and you pair that with Byron Young leading the way for the edge rushers. I, I think, you know, it's not really a, a standout performance each week, but I think Roman Harrison is playing pretty good football and is playing the best football of his career. Uh, Josh Josephs, he had a heck of a sack against LSU on, on Saturday. He's going to continue to play more and more because he's too much of a freak to, to keep on the sideline. I'd, I'd like to see Tyler Barron play a, a little bit better. Uh, I, I think he is been MIA quite frankly yes, uh, at least yes. my expectations very for much, him very much has been yes he, he's better than how he's played um is my general opinion on him at the moment and if Rodney Garner could find a way to to get him going that that would be a, a heck of a defensive front adding Barron and what he's capable to, to what they're already doing and, and and they've been awesome against the run uh, other than that one long run against Pitt it, it it's it's been able to bottle up the run really well and 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 now they're really starting to get after the quarterback uh, as well and, and they'll have to do that this week against Alabama one final point I want to make on Bryce Young in in this particular game I I do think Bryce plays uh, unless he has a setback and assuming he does play you have to put an asterisk next to it or, or make a mental note that okay he's playing but all it takes is one hit and I, I know that's football in general. You're you're one hit away, one play away from having a, a devastating injury. Quite frankly, it's just how brutal the, the sport is by nature. But he he's not going to be 100 percent healthy. He he may not even be 90 percent healthy. And it, it wasn't you know just a huge hit that that got him hurt against Arkansas. I mean, it was just kind of a, a normal tackle and. His, his shoulder just did not take to the way that it, it landed on the ground. It, it just wasn't a, a vicious collision collision with the ground or anything. So that that is something to keep an, an eye on. You've already seen it once this season. Keaton Slovis comes into the game fully healthy, and he's not able to finish the game because Tennessee's defense just kept pounding him, hit after hit after hit. And, and they've been able to do that against Florida and, and LSU as well. So uh, if Tennessee can, can continue to do that and, and get pressure – on the quarterback and get hits, legal hits on Bryce Young uh, throughout the game. There's no guarantee that Bryce Young will last four quarters, even if he does start the game. Well, that, that's going to be one of the keys to the game, I think, with or without Bryce Young, is, is whether that defensive front for Tennessee can continue to do what it did Saturday. And I, I would agree that they, based on what we've seen, and we've got almost a half season of data to go by right now, they're not a horrific defense overall. I just say they're still not a very good defense because – you're ranked 128th nationally in passing defense. And there's a fair point to be made about the number of plays that are run against Tennessee. 40, the fact that Tennessee's I, th- had a, I think 41st nationally in yards per play allowed. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, to, to that point, no doubt, it, it makes a difference. And Tennessee's had comfortable leads in some games. You know, even the Florida game, obviously, they were up by double digits in the fourth quarter. So that led to Florida naturally getting some yards late, although that game was still in question. But, like, the LSU game, you know, a lot of garbage production in that game even though LSU didn't score a lot of points in the second half. So no, no doubt that that's part of it. Uh, but they've, 
we've seen it. Teams can throw the ball on Tennessee. I think Tennessee's going to get thrown on a little bit Saturday with or without Bryce Young. Uh, it's just a matter of can they mitigate that with with sacks and pressures and just disrupting things in the backfield. I think that part of Tennessee defense has, has shown it's pretty good. Um, as you guys said, the run defense numbers are good. The big thing to me is the third down defense. We talked so much about that throughout the offseason. They're tied for 33rd nationally in, in third downs allowed, uh, 32%. That, that's good. That's, that's a very good number for Tennessee. If they can keep that up all season, they're going to be a pretty good, acceptable defense, a solid, solid defense that does enough for Tennessee to win a lot of games. And that's no doubt played a huge role in, in this, this team being 5-0 and because, that, as we said all offseason, they just need this defense to be okay. They don't need it to be great. They need it to be solid and make, make a few stops throughout the game, make some, make some big plays. When they get these first down sacks, though, I'll say this: they got to start getting off the field on, on th- you know three and outs. Like they they had a sack to start the drive Saturday with Josh Joseph in the first quarter, and LSU picked up the first down on third and ten or whatever it was after that. Like they've got to start taking advantage of those and getting three and outs when that happens. But they are getting sacks. It is putting offense behind the sticks. If they keep that up, it changes the look of this defense. I just think that that comes with the caveat that you know. Teams are going to get their production in the passing game. And, and Saturday would be a big test. Can they keep Jameer Gibbs in that run game in check? If they do, I think we can definitely conclude this is a pretty stout run defense. Uh, it'll be, that'll be a great matchup. Can they keep Jameer Gibbs in check? Because he was very good Saturday against Texas A&M, even in a, in a game that was not typical for Alabama's offense. And, you know what's- and one quick thing to, to add, Wes, just about the running game. Jameer Gibbs is awesome, probably the best running back or, or one of the best running backs in the country. He, he's certainly in that conversation. But we mentioned it earlier, Wes, the the, the Alabama secondary, really good, not the, the dominating secondary we, we've become accustomed to. Same same thing with the offensive line. Alabama's offensive line is is really stout. It's one of the better ones in the league. But you're, you're used to, to these Alabama offensive lines that just punish you for 60 minutes and just – first-round offensive lineman after first-round offensive lineman. And and this year's Alabama offensive line is not that. And it's been part of the reason they struggled against Texas, part of the reason they struggled against A&M. Because A&M's not a great team. They're, they're awful offensively. But they have real, really good players on the defensive front. And they were able to create some chaos. And so he has some really good players on the defensive front. And going up against uh, an Alabama offensive line that isn't what it typically is, I, I do think there's plays to be made there. Yeah, and, and I think what's nice, and I'll wrap it up with this, is uh, it's nice to know uh, that even if you, you give up some plays on defense that uh, you, you have the most dynamic offense in college football so far. That That's a nice thing to have. If I were a coach trying to sleep at night, I think having an offense that does what that one does uh, would make sleeping just a little bit better because Tennessee, with just a couple of tweaks, could have scored 60 at LSU. You have to sell for five field goals. You don't make one. Uh, that's a lot of points you're leaving on the board there. So uh, the, there's there's a lot of things that they do and a lot of reasons why this is an exciting game coming up this week. We are super excited for the coverage this week. We're going to have a bunch of stuff from from our guys. We're going to have some stuff with our friends at Bama Online. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of podcasts. Uh, you know, We're, we're going to do a lot of stuff and we are really, really, really looking forward to it. Ryan, floor, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to mention before we get out of here, Tennessee is, did announce Monday they're going to have an orange out for the game on on Saturday, kind of a different twist on the checker kneeling uh, effect. We'll, we'll see how that goes over. There's almost always a lot of crimson in the stands for this game. This game is going to be about who's willing to pay the ridiculous prices because I think when I looked Sunday, 
the the get in price i guess you want to, if you want to call it that the lowest price pair of tickets on StubHub was $388 a piece at that time um, so this is going to be a tough ticket um, you know they're they're the center of the college football world and, I, and I wonder I wonder if fewer Bama fans than normal are going to want to spend that I, much money yeah. on a ticket be, on a game where they think there's at least a chance Tennessee might lose right uh, or that Alabama might lose right I, that's I agree what, that's, that's what I mean that, that Alabama might lose yeah yeah no I, I I agree that's that's I wonder if there will be a little bit less uh, crimson than usual in the crowd but always is a good a good bit and we'll we'll see how that orange out goes over. Um, I, that's a, that's an interesting, uh, idea. I'm glad to see Tennessee taking some chances. Danny white kind of going with the fan, uh, the fan desires on that one. Uh, he gets a lot of stuff on, on social media about that, but that is, uh, that is happening. And, uh, and, and yeah, I just want to say going into this week, regardless of how this game turns out, just remarkable that, I mean, I, I sat there watching Saturday kind of in disbelief. Like I went into the season with this, a certain view of this team, like, they're going to be solid eight and four kind of team. Like that's mostly what we predicted, right? Patrick, give him credit. He picked nine and three. That looks like the floor for this team probably right now. And I just sat there Saturday and watched them dismantle a, a pretty, like even if LSU is an average SEC team this year, a pretty solid SEC team. And with this roster uh, that this coaching staff has inherited and put together over, you know, the past 20 months or whatever, this is an impressive job that Tennessee has put itself in this position. So they may go out and lose Saturday by 30, but I just want to say hats off to this staff at Tennessee. They've done a heck of a job. This is clearly a well-coached football team. I'm stunned they're this good this quickly, but I, I just watched Saturday and was like, this is a good team. This is legitimately a top 10 team, and I can't believe it considering what I thought were the limitations on this roster. And, and one thing we need to – to somewhat preview before we get out of here, Ryan, is the recruiting aspect of things because Florida weekend was a, a big weekend from a recruiting standpoint, uh, a huge weekend. Uh, this weekend's going to be even bigger. Yeah, no no question. They've already got uh, some official visits, some unofficial visits scheduled, and we'll have plenty on that throughout the week. But, uh, you know, we reported Monday afternoon, Keldrick Falk, the Florida State uh, commitment, top 100 prospect nationally coming back to Tennessee on an official visit this weekend, uh, just a, a, another loaded list of 2024 and 2025 visitors. I know that's something that fans don't always get excited about high school sophomores visiting since they're so far away from making their decisions, but some absolutely elite players in the 2025 class already indicating they're coming in for this one. So uh, it is as, as strong as it was for Florida. I expect it to be every bit as good uh, for this game. You know, some years in the past, I think Tennessee had a big turnout for this game, frankly, because there were guys that wanted to see Alabama play. Uh, you know, they were interested in Tennessee, maybe to a degree, just wanted to check it out. But hey, it's a chance to see Bama. So why not? This year, I think a lot of people are going to be in the stands. And the biggest thing is they're going to be there to see Tennessee and that environment as much as Alabama. And that's uh, that's a big thing that they're going to get some really good players there. And that environment's going to going to really impress them because it's going to be like like nothing we've seen in recent memory. I mean, this is this is the biggest home game Tennessee's played since potentially 1998 i mean you, you could make the case since 98 there, there's not been a game bigger than this in terms of the build-up the, the 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 importance what it means on the field top 10 unbeaten teams um so this this environment i'm i'm just looking forward to to, to being around it all saturday because it's going to be uh charged up in a way that that even the florida game probably won't compare to what we see saturday and if it ends the way that that tennessee arkansas game ended that that would probably be okay with with Tennessee fans <laughs> if it ended uh, it, it'll be the end of Neyland Stadium is what it'll seriously uh, yeah and I I know we're going a little bit long I had this thought to myself yesterday if if Tennessee were to beat Alabama is it a is it a time 
to, to storm the field because 100%, yes. I am of the opinion, but not because of why you typically storm the field. Like, because I'm of the belief, Tennessee, I know it hasn't done it at all <laughs> lately um, in terms of beating Alabama, but Tennessee has beaten Alabama. It has beaten Georgia, beaten Florida, beaten number one teams, top five teams. Tennessee is not the type of program that should storm the field. And in my opinion, I agree with what both of you just said. I do think it is a storm the field type of win for Tennessee if it can pull it off. But the reason that I would storm the field, and obviously it would take more than just I if I were in the stands. To yeah, if it were, if, it, if it's just one dude, you're gonna get you're gonna get what the dude got in the Seahawks game last week. Well, the good news is that Juwan Mitchell would probably find a way to, to miss that tackle. But hey, um, <laughs> uh, but like Tennessee fans shouldn't storm the field because it beat number three undefeated Alabama. It should storm the field because of what the last fifteen to twenty years should be. That's yes. why it is a storm the field game for me. I think it also would just encapsulate the the mood and, and the vibes this team and this program are giving these people. And they're sort of in this together. It kind of feels like when 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 Tennessee baseball was making a comeback, and 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 Lindsey Nelson just became a, an absolute hellhole for people to play in. And the vibe that they had, like the the players and the fans had, was really special. And this is that just on steroids because it's Tennessee football, which is a wider audience. So yeah. And before we get out of here, uh, we have blown well, we have blown way past it. But I know Ben, you were at the fall baseball. Uh, stuff over the weekend that we have tons of great coverage about that on the website too. So go there. Uh, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll try to get in some discussion at at some point about it because we need to because we know y'all want to hear it. But it is Tennessee Alabama football week. It's it's two top six teams going against each other. We got stuff we got to do. Um, but we do have a lot of written coverage about it. And, and if you got any questions about it, do sign up for GoVoss247.com. Do go to the checkerboard, read the stuff, and also get uh, ask your questions to Ben. And hey, great time to check out the site this week. A lot of people signing up uh, more than usual for midseason, I would say. So uh, we're going to have tons of awesome coverage throughout the week. Recruiting, as you said, uh, even other sports uh, had plenty of basketball coverage uh, as well, in addition to the baseball and, and just tons of great stuff on the way this week. So definitely check out the site. $1 for the first month uh, at GoVols247.com. Uh, the, the other thought I wanted to add on why you storm the field if Tennessee wins this game in a series of streaks, I mean, this rivalry is known for streaks. Tennessee had a seven-game win streak at one point uh, from 95 to 01. This is the longest streak. I mean, Tennessee fans tore down the goalposts in 82 when the, the year the World's Fair was in Knoxville. because that, that And the year the I was born. Yes, uh, but that's definitely way, way down. That's not even a reason at all uh, to, to celebrate, really, much less storm the field. Um, no, it's a reason to celebrate. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's for sure. <laughs> and a child is born, storm the field. But, but 15 consecutive wins, and Tennessee hasn't even been a single-digit underdog. This is the first time in this series since 2008. I mean, just think about that. They've been such massive underdogs in this series year after year that them being less than a 10-point underdog feels like it's huge progress, even if they don't win this game or keep it close. Like that, Just the fact that we're going to this game thinking it's in question is a step in the right direction. That's why you storm the field, because Alabama has been the standard in college football for so many years, and I thought Tennessee was five years away from having a chance to win this game, probably, if you'd asked me six months ago. And now if they pull it off, 
absolutely you take down the goalposts. And also, uh, just a quick shout-out and a hello to Alabama's locker room, which is probably playing this conversation uh, that we're having about whether Tennessee should storm <laughs> the field when it wins, selectively edited and then placed on a loop for them to hear in their complex. So, hello, guys. Hope the weather well, down there in Tuscaloosa Wes, is nice. Hey, Henry T., how you doing? Wes, if it is selectively clipped, they're not going to include the part of you saying hello. <laughs> but then they might want to go for more information. You know what, though? The, hey, the, we're the, – that's true. We're media. We're media. We are allowed to put the cart before the horse. Okay, that is what we do. Coaches and players don't have to. As Josh Heupel said, fans get to enjoy the build up to this game. For us, it's every, it's day day to day. We're allowed to. Discuss we get to enjoy the build up too. Yeah, we 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 are allowed to discuss such silly things way before they even possibly happen because that's that's sort of what we do by nature, right? That is true, and we are also allowed to uh, to to mute Ryan and. Uh, thank the St. Louis Cardinals for their season ending. So you got anything else, Ben? Yes, uh, that your team is not in the playoffs. Ryan's team is no longer in the playoffs, but the great New York Yankees begin on Tuesday, and I hope everyone has a great week. Go Cubs, go America, go to hell, Cardinals. See ya. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals 24-7 and facebook.com slash govals 24-7 to get all of the stuff there, or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap, go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. 
So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? He already put my comments out there, so (laughs) he, he had direct quotes. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.